Hey, remember what this podcast used to sound like? Well, happy anniversary. Don't listen to this one. The mic audio quality is very bad. I'm good. Let me start so I don't forget. Thanking a couple people. Noah. Maybe I got him last time. Who cares? You never know. Sean. Dan. Arthur. Arthur left a message. Uh, after the thanks for making the podcast stuff, he says, any thoughts on Chinese food? What's your favorite dish to order at a restaurant? Uh, I have recently discovered a dish called chicken and eggplant. Uh Uh-huh. And it is delicious. My scene, and I've really never been able to find this outside of that, like, one restaurant in Chinatown in Philly, is Salt Bake Seafood. Oh, yeah. Which is just, like, combinations of scallops and shrimp and all manner of things that are just encrusted with salt and pepper. And that's got to be available somewhere else, though. Well, I found something similar at a restaurant that delivers near us. And it's called, I think it's called War, like W-O-R, Roasted Prawns. But it's just the prawns. And they're not quite the same i guess maybe because they're roasted (laughs) instead of baked uh god yeah you just end up with this huge plate of stuff that it's like it's just like a skin of salt so it's a little crunchy on the outside but it's all chewy and seafoody on the inside and everything just sort of flakes away it's delicious yeah but, that uh, does sound delicious. I only know it from that one place, which I don't even remember the name of, but I think it was As on, with every restaurant like, in Chinatown. Yeah, I think it's on like 12th and Arch, somewhere around there. That you just described Chinatown. Yeah. <laughs> it's the it's near that. It's near a fire <laughs> station. I remember that. <laughs> but that's a hint. It's a tip. Chinatown in Philly is so tiny that if you list a street, yeah. you're basically talking about the entirety of Chinatown. While you're there, you can stop by the Chinese Cookie Factory, if it still exists. Get your bag of reject cookies for $1. My coworker always buys my other coworker like three bags of Chinese cookies. Yeah. And so then in the office, I eat enough Chinese cookies, or fortune cookies, to make my teeth hurt. Well, they are wonderful. <laughs> I don't actually know. I mean, sometimes when I... I get a fortune cookie i eat it i'm like why am i eating this it doesn't taste that good i am never confused (laughs) it is subtly sweet and slightly tangy it's delicious plus there's the option to teach yourself chinese in the process of course i mean that's my goal time you figure there's like a hundred cookies in one of those bags barring repeats just a few dozen bags you'll have a tight grasp on the language as long as you're not concerned with things like grammar uh yeah i'll be able to say numbers they can make that like a reality tv show can you get where are the six bathrooms with just the words on chinese fortune cookies they just give you a bag of fortune cookies and see if you can make it to the other side of the country it's the new man versus wilds (laughs) it's the only one that really matters yeah but anyway Back to ch- uh, chicken and eggplant. Mm. It's not just chicken and eggplant. It, there's this like sweet pepper sauce that uh, goes on everything, and it is delicious. Mm. Unfortunately, the place that had the kind I liked closed down because it merged with a lesser establishment, and I had the Chinese egg or the chicken and eggplant there. Not nearly as good. I, mean, I was heartbroken. Google image search is making it look pretty good. 
Yeah, because they're like they're like tiny eggplants, and you put like just quarters of them and stir fry them. Well, I suppose they're probably Chinese eggplants, which are slightly yes. different. Absolutely, I don't think you could do the same thing with a yeah. straight up eggplant. You put that on Parmesan or nothing, <laughs> please. <laughs> no, you can grill it. Put some balsamic vinaigrette on it and grill it. And look at you, it's fancy. <laughs> I'm just you, saying. You, then you deep fry it, right? No In butter. <laughs> That's right. Now, grill, if anybody tells you I like to grill things, it's because they don't really know how to cook, mm. and they just like making things that sound awesome. Because if you grill anything that tastes good, it tastes better. Yeah, grilling, the, if we had a propane grill, I would definitely grill more often, because it's super fast, and in general, the manner in which you grill things is more healthy than many yeah. other forms of cooking. Well, um, you're also just eating less stuff. Yeah. But as since we have charcoal, it's like, you know, it takes forever to light that thing up. The time you would save grilling is offset by like the 20 or 30 minutes of lighting and then waiting for the coals to be ready. So forget it, which is why we've used our grill like twice the whole summer. <laughs> One of them was still out Oh, poor charcoal. Yeah. Well, I, I'm sure I've talked about this on the podcast right when we bought that grill, but they were like, you cannot buy propane anywhere and, and, we were, and we were like what because we if this is at the home depot we had the empty propane tank in our hands and we we're like all right where do we get this filled up and they were like not here and we we're like huh is that like a new york thing yeah i think it's like a post 9-11 you can't bring propane over the bridges or the tunnels i don't know that's it, nuts a pro- single propane tank from later on people were like well there's a home depot near me that sells it so i have no idea but i mean in philly like they just left them outside and you could go in like the middle of the night and it was basically the honor system (laughs) that you would when you would pay for a new tank and replace it with your old one i mean it's the middle of the night (laughs) yeah you could just grab a new one and not have a tank at all and it would cost it's also true that if you were trying to create a concealable explosive you would not use propane tanks. Isn't that what that guy had? Remember when you came up to New York a couple of years back for my birthday, and you and Ben walked by that? Uh, yeah, that scene. The, I the, think the dude that was trying to blow up Times Square. Yeah, with like an SUV. I think it was propane and fireworks were his plan. <laughs> so that didn't really work. Yeah, probably not. But anyway, are you ready for? the open world gaming event of the season i know you're pumped let me tell you about saints row 4 (laughs) (laughs) you thought i was gonna say grand theft auto no i knew you were gonna say i thought you were gonna say wonderful 101 because i don't know enough about that game to confirm that it is not open open world and you could have just straight up been lying yeah nah somebody on on tumblr was like you can play Grand Theft Auto V, and I was like, I'm play it as much as I played all the other ones. Actually, less because I'm gonna play it zero because everybody, everybody on the internet makes it sound like it is the same game. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I mean, it's just crazy to me because it just seems like there's absolutely no perspective when I hear people hashing out like, "Oh man, it's this story about the American dream and how that like falls through, and then what you got to do." Isn't that literally every Grand Theft Auto? <laughs> like, you guys are still getting hyped over it? And I, I mean, it's not even that, like, you could not tell different stories in that. 
but from what I've seen of each one, they are functionally identical. And for people to like flip their shit and be like, this one is the real one. I don't know, it just seems like there's this like total lack of perspective. I wonder how quickly the backlash will will come like it did with Grand Theft Auto 4, where like a week later people are like, maybe this wasn't Oscar worthy per se. <laughs> Well, it still, like, includes shout-outs to Grand Theft Auto's roots, which are, you know, sort of the sociopathic behavior that's available to you. Well, okay, so the the totally insane thing that I saw, I watched, uh, like, a giant bomb video of them playing it. So they still have those things where, like, you start a mission, and the objective of the mission is just, like, kill 30 people, Right. But now they have contextualized it in this way that makes it, like, super weird and gross. So what like, do you mean? So, now you've got, like, your one of your dudes who's just, like, I guess, like, a meth addict psychopath, which I guess fits in the GTA mold. But he's, like, walking down the street, and these two, like, gangbangers walk up to him and are, like, harassing him. And then, like, he yanks a gun off of one of their belts, and they're like, yo, yo, essay my bad and they like run away and then he shoots him in the back and then like big cartoon text pops up on the screen and it's like rampage murder 30 gangbangers and i was just like wow the addition of the story makes this like way more gross yeah because now well, I mean, i'm like, sure that like murdering fleeing people yeah and i think that uh, it... Yeah, I don't know. You could give him some credit and say that that's sort of a nod or at least a confrontation of the people that talk about violence in video games and how it bleeds into society. Yeah. Or how video games warp people. But, you know, maybe GTA does. I don't know. Satire is a fine line. The internet cafe is named twat, but the A is an at symbol. Isn't that clever? No. Like, yeah, I mean, that's just like ultimately how all that stuff feels to me. And that's why we've, I mean, we just played through Saints Row 4, and that game actually is pretty funny and like really well written in a lot of spots. And it had sort of that, that twat equivalent stuff, if you want to call it that. Couldn't you run around with a giant dildo sword in the previous? That was in the third one, yeah. I mean, that's what I'm saying. It, it still has those moments. But, like, for for instance, there's a, there's a part in Saints Row 4 where you've got, like, a little robot buddy who's, like, a, just a spherical floating ball. And you have to, like, hack these terminals or something. So you're running around with him, and he's, like... He speaks in this completely monotone robot, robot voice, and he's, like, so I am the only person that could do this, right? And you're, like, yeah, what's your point? And he's, like, so I should probably get a reward, right? And you're, like, what? And he's, like basically just spends the rest of the mission talking about how he's gonna like which of the female cast members like he's gonna get a date with and like just starts expanding on the reasons why he'd like be good dating material even though he's like a spherical robot and it's it's this totally like socially inept thing that's actually really funny and they've got they've got this like running joke where uh characters in the game addressing your character like blah 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 you're a sociopath and your character gets progressively more indignant and keeps responding that like you're at first you're like i prefer puckish rogue and then by the end like somebody's like oh you're a sociopath and you just like jump them and you're like puckish rogue (laughs) 
<laughs> so I feel like uh, that's a little more successful in being like, all right, I mean, we know this stuff is like pretty dumb. And like, here's here some of the rationalizations that we use to allow ourselves to experience these things. And also, Saint, I mean, Saints Row 4 is really fun. Like you just have superpowers from basically the very beginning of the game. And the combat is totally meaningless, but because it's totally meaningless, it actually ends up being a lot of fun. Because you can jump like 10,000 feet in the air and then pound the ground. And then when you land on the ground, you like shoot an exploding ice ball that makes every vehicle blow up in one bullet. <laughs> so you're, you just got like a ton of crap to do and it feels really good doing it. And you can do it in co-op, which makes it considerably better. But also the wonderful 101. It's fantastic. That's what you keep saying. <laughs> That's what I keep saying to the vacuum of Twitter. Nobody else has bought this game, apparently. Yeah, well, or you kind of had to feel like that was going to happen with yeah. that one, right? Well, like, that's not all that surprising. Yeah, well, it, it saddened me yesterday when Daryl made that tweet that GTA V has sold 5 million more copies than all of the Wii U games combined. <laughs> So, like, they've sold combined 11 million Wii U games. So, I don't, I try not to concern myself too much with the numbers, but I was just like, oh, that's why nobody's talking about the Wonderful 101 except for me. And, like, Gerald mentioned it once, and like one or two other people I followed because nobody owns this system except for me that I bought on launch day for no reason other than I wanted it. That's kind of sad. Which is, My nephews have it, but from what you've described, Wonderful 101 may be, on, be beyond their reach yeah, or it's, their grasp, it's, rather. It's pretty hard. Also, there's like a couple just weird, like sort of, not exactly TNA moments, but like when female characters get introduced, it tends to be with like sexy poses that make it not exactly kid-friendly. Uh, Which I don't, I don't think is necessarily a concern because it's just like, it's a game whose... The, the, the gameplay is so complicated that it just would like have to be beyond most children. <laughs> like, even though it's really the gameplay is complicated. Aren't you just, uh, it looked almost, I mean, this is based entirely on videos and no experience, but it looked like Pikmin with a deeper combat system. No, I mean, it's, it's basically not Pikmin at all. It's Bayonetta, but way, way harder. <laughs> really? Yeah. So now you have my interest, sir. Okay. So instead of punch and kick combos, your weapon, you only have one attack button, but you pull, you pull out different weapons by drawing them with the right stick. You're basically doing these things that are almost like Street Fighter moves. It, I mean, really, it's just like playing Okami, except okay. that the game doesn't freeze. It just slows down a little. So in the middle of the super fast-paced combat with, like, the window to block an attack is, like, as tight as a lot of games force you to parry. So things come out like moves come out just like in the blink of an eye so while you're trying to avoid the enemy attack you're trying to figure out like where's a safe place where i can run away slow down time for a little while and like draw a hammer or usually a sword frankly because the sword is just a straight line so you can bust that out at almost any time <laughs> and then once you've got a weapon out uh you've got to like run up and you can jam on a and there's like a stinger motion and there's a 360 motion for like a spin and there's a juggle Really, like, the only Pikmin thing is that you have a, a, a button called Team Attack that throws your dudes at a guy, and they... <laughs> it's actually kind of funny slash cute. They all, like, clamber over him, and they just start, like, pummeling him with 
their little fists. But if they do that enough, he becomes like sort of staggered and then you can launch them into an air combo. But then once you're in the air, which seems like one of the best ways to do damage, you pretty much, so you do like a launcher and then you'll do something like a cyclone attack in the air to keep them a little stunned. But then to maximize your damage, you have to like team attack again because not only does that stagger a guy, but it also acts as a lock-on where the next time you attack, wherever you are on the screen, you'll dash right back to that guy. Mm. So, I mean, it's like, I, there's no way I'm describing this in a way that even makes sense. So you're like, no, you are. you're like, launch him, you do a couple hits to keep him in the air, you lock onto him again, you do your like smashy downwards move, which turns your entire team into a tombstone. Because at this point you've run out of jumps, but you want to keep juggling him in the air. So you have to turn into a tombstone, hit the ground, but because you've locked onto him, you can push the A button again and you'll go right back up into the air and keep him juggled. And there's just, I mean, that's like one of the better ways to do combos. And part of what makes it so hard is that the size of your weapons and therefore your damage is dependent on how many team members you have. And you like collect team members over the course of the level by like finding helpless civilians and you like draw a line around them and they join your team as temporary members uh so like let's say like 50 25 75 and 100 are like the sizes of the weapons and like the 25 person one like isn't even worth bothering with but every time you get hit like 30 of your dudes are scattered to the wind and you have to run around picking them up so imagine like if you were playing bayonetta and every time you get hit, you have to spend like five seconds dashing around the environment until you're really capable of attacking again. And that's like where a lot of the difficulty comes from. It's just like the windows for attack are like minuscule. And even, even if you do things like if you block, you'll stun a guy. Or if you do a dodge at the right time, you'll have a slow-mo like in Bayonetta. After you've done that, you need to spend like X amount of seconds drawing a weapon and making it as big as possible. Wait, how do you make it big? Either you draw it really large, like you make a really long drawing motion, which takes time. Uh, or you there's like an ability you can get that you slot into one of your like skills that lets you hold down the A button and it will just make it gradually bigger as long as you have the people and the special meter to do it. And the special meter functions basically like the, the like film meter in Beautiful Joe. So it's recharging, but it actually recharges pretty slowly and everything takes it. So like if you want to block, that depletes it. If you want to dodge, that depletes it. So the resource management is like crazy tight. And in fact, the only way I've really found to manage it successfully, because like say you have like eight of these like batteries that determine your special attacks. And it takes like three batteries to make the biggest sword, which will last for a couple seconds and maybe take off like half of a guy's life. I don't know. I'm like trying to explain this as succinctly as I can. What you have to do is you have to stand near a dude and taunt him, which then lets you use your ability that forms all your guys into a tent so they can rest like almost immediately because otherwise it takes like five seconds and that refills your whole bar but only if you're in this like upgraded state of taunting, which takes a certain amount of time. And then you can like stick around in that tent thing if you want to push your luck and it like doubles down in your special meter and supercharges all your attacks for a certain amount of time. 
there's just a lot of stuff going on. That does sound really cool. It's it's really complicated, but it's cool because the button presses aren't what's complicated about it. Because I feel like in Bayonetta, mostly what you were thinking about was like, okay, I'm like gonna punch, punch, and then pause, and then kick, kick, kick. And like you had to just be factoring in like what your next combo was gonna be, purely like in a mechanical sense of like your fingers hitting the buttons. Where in this one, the all the button presses are so simple, you're just operating on what you actually want to do and the like physical gestures of it are much less of an, a hindrance to your ability to execute. It's more just like your, your ability to like uh, know how many moves ahead you're trying to go because they all happen like instantaneously and like a lot of the high level play is uh, like drawing a symbol for the next weapon while inputting the move you want to do with that weapon. Oh wow. So basically you're like drawing a curvy line to make a whip, but while you're doing that you're like doing a back forward. So when you push A, which will create the whip, you will also do a stinger forward with the whip. And then while you're doing that, like as soon as you push A, you're like doing a 360 with the left stick while you're drawing a sword with the right stick to do a cyclone. I don't know. It's crazy tough and the only thing it does to ameliorate that is like, if you continue, it just starts you off wherever you died. Like boss is still damaged and it just severely penal penalizes you. Like every time you continue, your ranking just straight up goes down a level. Well, that's that's normal. I mean, it's, yeah, it seems, it's totally reasonable. Uh, but it also meant that I got the- So were you drawing these things on the actual pad of the Wii U controller? You can either do it with the stylus, which like, which seems like it would be impossible because I don't have three hands and it uses every button of the controller at the same time, or you just use the right stick and do motions. Is it possible to play a co-op? Could you have somebody drawing while you're- I was thinking about that because I think you can play it with a regular controller. So you could probably hand off the controller to somebody else and they can that draw might be a things. Fun little that experiment. Actually, yeah, it does sound pretty fun. And it has a co-op mode, which I haven't tried out yet. But apparently, you just run around in these little co-op missions as two to five people with comparatively reduced size hero teams, and then you can like sort of poach somebody else's heroes. Oh yeah, it's competitive. I remember seeing that. Uh, there's all there's there's some really cool things with the way you build your team up like with the little grunt enemies you can stagger them and right before they die they'll be put in this vulnerable state where you can draw a circle around them and then you grab them and add them to your team so there's a lot of neat stuff like that and i think eventually you would you pick up permanent heroes over the course of the level there's usually like maybe 10 hidden around in secret places and then once you have those, like, you'll start with, say, 60 people at a level, where in the beginning you only have, like, 10, maybe. So, eventually, those, like, temporary members become unnecessary. And then, like, each character has his own experience. So, you can, like, they're all associated with a certain weapon, like fist or sword, and you can switch them out on the fly to decide who is your lead person. And some of them uh. are slightly different. A lot of them are just pretty much the same, but, like... There's, like, one guy who's a train, and I think his power is that he can move at full speed even when he's got a weapon out, because usually you have to, like, walk. 
So there's just like a lot of like really subtle quirks about it. For anyone who is listening to this podcast who actually has a Wii U and would buy this game, all you got to do is like look up some of the fan tutorials on how the mechanics work. Because that's the game's biggest drawback is that it doesn't explain anything at all. <laughs> like, like, just the simplest thing. Like, I had played through maybe three levels of a game before I knew how crucial the block ability was. Which you have to buy. Like, you don't even start with it. And you could buy it after, like, the first level. It's not expensive. It's more a matter of, like, I didn't know it existed or how important the block was. Because every block is basically a counter. And if you're trying to attack guys when they're not in a staggered state, it's basically just like, good luck. It's, it's kind of like if you were to play Bayonetta and be like, I'm not really into that slowy downy time thing. I don't really, I'm not really feeling that. This game is going to take 40 hours because I'm only going to be shooting things with the pistols. Yeah, <laughs> it's, I mean, it's that kind of thing. Like when I, when I first started playing the game, I didn't really understand the difference in like having a larger weapon. So I'd be sitting there with like the smallest sword with and just like sort of dinking away at guys. I, I, I posted on Twitter the like, the trajectory of me playing these games is me at first being like, I don't know if I like this, is this game good? And then I play it for like a little while longer and I'm like, I think this game might be pretty good. And then like a couple hours later, I'm like, I don't see why I would ever play any video game that wasn't this one. <laughs> so like on that on so you went in it was sort of a reverse yeah, trajectory as, from other games yeah, as like, this is the out. greatest game ever to this is the worst game ever this one actually yeah. grew on you yeah well that's how I, that's that's a lot of how i felt like with bayonetta too i was like I, I don't think this is really so this isn't really like as good as devil may cry and then by the end i was like oh well i guess i do have rocket launchers on my feet and when i <laughs> kick i fire the rockets <laughs> <laughs> so that's pretty good. Plus, the being able to dodge and slow down time is so satisfying. Yeah, that really There's is. There's nothing like, like that in Devil May Cry. Yeah. You're basically just like, you avoid it, the enemies are moving at, you know, full speed, but you never get the sort of overpowering buff. Yeah. I mean, I just, yeah, I really love that factor of Bandit's combat. The reason I, like, still give Devil May Cry the edge is that I vastly prefer the boss battles in that. Oh, like, yeah. I just feel like so, they have it's so much more personality. And and also the scale of the boss battles in Bayonetta sort of made it impossible to yeah. really understand what was going on <laughs> most of the that's time. That's actually something that, that's one thing I kind of don't like about Wonderful 101. I mean, it's really, it's just not going for that. But since it's so zoomed out and you're basically just playing this like blob of like humanoid shapes, uh, it it loses out a lot of personality during the gameplay. The cutscenes are all super adorable. Uh, if I can give like something that might be considered a late game spoiler, but just skip the next 15 seconds, there's a QTE at the end of the game where you have to jam the button like as hard as you possibly can. And it keeps cutting back between you f shooting this laser and all your teammates jamming buttons in this cockpit. And it was just so adorable. So they're like just they're like, all just like sitting there being like come on and your your wrist is starting to lock up well presumably theirs is too it's just got this like personality i'm going to say a lot of the same things i said about pacific rim but it just feels like really sincere it never like winces at the camera and is like i know this is so cheesy like it's just very confident 
and genuine about its appreciation of its source material and the story it's trying to tell. So I just, I like that. I like, I like things that exist without cynicism. <laughs> Congratulations, Dave. This will be a game that in 10 years you talk about with one other person that knows what it is. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and it will be Gerald. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's good, though. I, I was actually really worried. I was like, is this his first bad game? Now it turns out it's just as excellent as everything else he makes. That guy <laughs> is still a genius. <laughs> Oh, but uh, anyway, I guess technically we're supposed to talk about cartoons. <laughs> we still could. Do you have any, you got any video game uh, Well, I've been playing uh, Karan and Carol's game. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it's, it's really fun. I played the tiniest bit of the demo. I haven't gotten around to playing the real game. Uh, it's, yeah, I like it a lot, actually. I mean, it's pretty much like a Metroidvania with more... Yeah, that's not an accurate like i don't know what combat you would compare to in the 2d space it's less metroidvania because uh the combat with bosses is less dependent on unlocking an ability yeah like unlocking the abilities unlocks new areas in the map Mm. but any of the boss battles are more dependent on um like the way that combat is set up in the game yeah so you know you're never oh i don't have the hook shot so i can't defeat this one boss or I don't have grenades, so I can't, you know, blow up whatever shield. It's more just like you have to be able to dodge and fight and do the combos and all that stuff in order to beat all the bosses, and then having beaten them, you'll be given the ability to unlock a new area. Yeah, I mean, that feels like Castlevania to me. It's like Symphony of the Night. You, like, beat the bird yeah, man, but like in Symphony of the, the Night, stone it, behind him. Yeah, but in Symphony of the Night, you're never... The combat is... I mean, it's good, but... It's not amazing. Like it's fun enough, but you're not like building a you're not building up a combo. That's why like, yeah, there's that's all these why struggling to find something to compare it to. Yeah, I mean it is it is very Metroidvania, but it's also got this added benefit of actually having a kind of cool combat system beyond use shield rod and Alucard shield <laughs> and then walk at the boss. What did the nubs would do that? Dude, whatever. Dracula has like a hundred thousand hit points. <laughs> Dracula is a real pain in the ass if you don't <laughs> use the Alucard shield or the Chrysogrim. Like, why, dude? If you farmed the Chrysogrim, who's making fun of you? It's true. It's so hard to get that item to drop. I, re- I remember many nights, or I mean, it probably takes like an hour, which isn't a lot of time when this game comes out in high school, and like this is what you have to do in high school. But like, I remember going in and out of one room where one of those like floating ghosts had spawned, so you could just pop into the room. Hit yeah, hit it. The, nope. If you okay. got the sword, leave, come back. They were called schmooze. <laughs> it was in the library. Yeah, the upside down library. Um, but yeah, so it's. I, I mean, I've only. I've beaten three bosses. The first one was actually the hardest boss I fought. The latter two were not that difficult, having sort of. Com- I mean, that's kind of. It's interesting. <laughs> it should be noted that the developer of this game loves really difficult games yeah. and i know that because i've played other games with him and he always decides to make it harder than it needs to be <laughs> uh and so <laughs> like the you fight there's this first boss battle which apparently was um optional i had no idea uh i just wandered into this area found a boss and just decided that this is what needed to happen for the mm-hmm. rest of the night i guess yeah but by the time i had defeated that boss 
the combat system was so familiar to me that the next two bosses just got their faces wrecked. <laughs> just body Which them. is actually really satisfying. Yeah, it's true. It is nice in games when you feel like you've worked so hard at something that you like temporarily exceeded the game's expectations of you. The other kind of fun thing is that everything is dodgeable, essentially. Mm. Or at least everything I've run into so far can be dodged. You either, you know, you cannot get hit by it, or you can dodge it. Um, and dodge is actually a, a command. You're basically holding forward, and then you go to down or, like, down forward, and you'll dash. And you pass through enemies that way, and you become briefly invulnerable while that's going on. Mm. And so... There's a, there were, the first boss you fight had this one attack that went, it basically hammers the ground and then goes out from his model in both directions. And I swear, I dodged it once and I felt like a super genius. Because you, then you, if you dodge it, you don't have to stop your combo, is, yeah. is the advantage. And if you, the way that the skill trees are all set up, um, a lot of the stuff you can do or a lot of the, the, the buffs that you can get in the sort of the the warrior skill tree or whatever you want to call it um are based on the number of your combo so after five hits you start doing an additional you know five or ten percent damage mm. so it immediately incentivizes this just yeah. balls out yeah. never stop hitting things uh style of gameplay that is really kind of fun especially um when you know that nothing can't be dodged like there's never a time where I actually should have to stop my combo. Yeah. If I can if I can just time it right, if I can, you know, read the signs. And it's really obvious when he's gonna do the ground pound attack. But man, it is the 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 window for actually successfully dodging it is super tight. Because you have to go through it but not catch the wave on the other side. You know, so, so like it incrementally goes out from him, but you have to time your dodge so that you don't get hit by the downward strike. And then you go through him, and by the time you get through him, the wave has already passed where you end up. Yeah, I'm just generally not pro enough to handle systems <laughs> like that. It was just like, oh man. I mean, eventually I gave up, because in order to beat him, I had to just stop doing that. Yeah. But it was like, it's, like, come it's on, so Joel, tantalizing. Just push it to the limit. Yeah. And it, yeah, it's, it's a really super fun game. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know how much I paid for it. I, I was going to buy it anyway. I think I kickstarted it. I cannot remember. It ends up, I think it was like $10. Yeah. Maybe, so maybe 15. if you like Metroidvania games, you'll probably like this one. But if you're a sissy who doesn't like to just freaking max out combos, get off my podcast. Yeah. I'm trying, God, like I know I've played 2D games that function. It's essentially like taking a 3D game like Devil May Cry and putting it in 2D. And I know I've played like at least a couple of them in recent memory uh well the one that i can the one that most approximates that is uh shank yeah okay but that that combat was i don't know yeah shank felt like a little lightweight in that department it was just like oh hit all the buttons i was so bored with that game by the end i liked it a lot in the first couple levels and then by the end i was like these guys have like a lot of health (laughs) Well, it's not even just that they have a lot of health. They're essentially doing the same things. And, I mean, I don't know. Maybe the Valdis story will have the advantage of not being incredibly long. But, I don't know. I'm having way more fun with it than I did with Shank. And that's not just because I know the people that made it. There's, like, 
few different weapons, right? I mean, I guess Shank had other weapons. Or it had other guns, but none of, all the guns felt, like, really dumb. I was actually making fun of uh, Karan when we were playing LOL last night because the magic system didn't get explained at all. Mm-hmm. And it became... Well, I mean, they tell me that text popped up on the screen. I don't know if I believe that. Uh, but so you get to this point after you've defeated one of the bosses and you now have the ability to make ice pillars pop out of the ground, which obviously allow you to jump on them, and then you can get to new areas. I spent like 15 minutes jumping around this boss's room because I didn't know that I now had a new magical spell because I didn't even know there were other magical spells. I had just been using this the magic button as uh, a way to regenerate health, which is yeah. the first spell you start with. You can pause to uh, essentially focus and then get health back mm-hmm. after that is completed. How, but, how generous is, is that health recharge? Like, how reliable is it for day-to-day use? Uh, I mean, it's probably va- it's valuable if you get hit by the like the mobs. But, I mean, if you're not killing the mobs quickly, you're probably not going to have very much fun. Yeah. Because they're not that hard to kill for the most part. Um, in boss fights, it's probably basically off-limits because you have to stand still. And if yeah. you stand still, you get hit. Well, that's pretty good, then. I mean, like, I, I always think of, like, Castlevanias tend to have some sort of health regen that's just, like, garbage, but I'm so opposed to using consumables most of the time that, like, I'm trying to be like, all right, well, I don't really have any potions because I didn't buy any, so I guess I'm just going to sit in this room for five minutes while I get one health every ten seconds because I don't want to die because I want to make it to the next safe spot, which is, like, <laughs> somewhere, uh, maybe. Yeah. No, I mean, it's not that bad, but, I mean, there's also the, the fact that you could probably meditate in a boss fight, because once you charge it and release it, you're basically being healed after the release, so you don't get the health all at once. Yeah. It slowly regenerates after you've you've done it, but, like, you get a grade based on the time it takes you to beat the boss. Yeah. And if you spent any of that time not attacking the boss, I imagine your grade would go down. Oh, man. So. And I'm, like, an expert at getting SAS. Because I cannot, for some reason, get an S in combat. I like on, to think it's because I'm sassy. <laughs> on the topic of grade, so they've introduced like a lower level than bronze in uh in Wonderful 101. So there's like pure platinum for platinum's all across the board, and then platinum, gold, silver, bronze, and below that there's just like consolation prize, which is like little plastic piece of crap. <laughs> and I saw a fair few of those. A lot of it's the always times. heartbreaking, especially in games that are actually hard. Yeah. So you're like, I worked really hard. <laughs> I tried my best. In the case of Wonderful 101, I caused myself literal physical pain <laughs> trying to beat that <laughs> battle. Like, Grotz was just hanging out while I was trying to play uh, some of hard mode last night. And I was, like, virtually cursing at the screen because, like... Are you sure you were virtually or just cursing no, at the I was, screen? No, I was holding it back, but oh, <laughs> I, was, okay. I was on the precipice. <laughs> because I go into, like, one of the secret missions. This is on the first level of the game in hard mode. Uh, and I find a secret mission that I guess maybe I hadn't found in normal or just they're scaled separately in the hard. But it's two of these, like, turtle enemies, which you can basically only fight with the hammer, which is slow as fuck. And they have, like, a ton of health. So you're taking off maybe, like, an eighth of their health every time you hit with, hit them with the hammer. So the inclination is to be like, okay, I can hit them twice, kind of, before one of them gets an attack off on me. So I'm always going to try and do this because I want this fight to be over. 
but that just ends up getting me killed, especially in the secret mission where you only have five hits and before you have to retry it. And so that takes me maybe like 15 minutes to figure out how to not be dumb. And then I'm like, okay, I beat it. Like, I'm going to get to the end of this level and then we're going to eat dinner. We got Indian food on the way. I'm pretty excited. <laughs> and then I walk like 20 steps in the game and it puts me on this bridge another fucking two turtles spawn and it's like almost twisted the controller in half like two in a row and so i had to and then this one like the bridge is super tight so they're sitting right next to each other so you often don't even have the time to do what i also think i could probably get better at fighting those turtles because like <laughs> when you block them uh, they like i think i could get better at fighting those turtles <laughs> they, well they're like these stupid armor oh, imagining you like out in a yard like shadow boxing there's just yeah. a turtle sitting yeah. on the ground in front <laughs> of you Crawling. Tell me your secrets, turtle. Uh, I will defeat your brethren. Kind. <laughs> I mean, they mostly attack by doing that, like, flame pillar thing from Devil May Cry, which is like, I remember you, asshole. <laughs> so you just, like, every time they attack, you have to, like, run around the level for 20 seconds while, like, flame pillars chase you one at a time. Oh, and that's the most frustrating thing. It's like, I could be attacking right now. Yeah. There must be some way. Well, it's actually, man... Uh, Wonderful 101 is really good at making you feel like the best defense is a good offense. Like, maybe it's just because, like, your defense in that game is so aggressive. It's also adorable. The block, all your guys gather up and form into a giant blonde. And it bounces. A, blonde, a giant what? Blonde. Like the dessert. <laughs> <laughs> and it just bounces what? the enemy away. But. You oh, can, that doesn't make any sense. And then buy an upgrade where after the enemy punches your blonde, it explodes in spikes. <laughs> So it just feels super aggressive even when you're defending. And then the turtle goes up on like two legs and it's like paws are flailing. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. And I think what you're supposed to do at that point is pull out the fist and just like nail it in the stomach and knock it over. I always have the hammer out, so I just try and clobber it with that because it's armored. Funny. Nah, man. He's got to max that combo. He's, he's straight up like, there. there's like a red button on his turtle tummy that's like, Punch me right here. You gotta do it. I know. That's how you beat him. I'm almost certain that's what you're supposed to do, but I did, like I thought about that when I was like in bed last night. I was like, time to go to sleep. Let's review the events of the up. day. And I was like, the fist. Gratia was like, what is going on? I know the secrets. <laughs> it I was so simple. Tank. I've got your number, fucker. Just gotta punch you. Shut up, I've got to go do something. Are yeah. you going to play that game? You should go to bed. Yeah, go back to bed. Go to sleep. Sleep forever. But anyway. Cross, I was just choking you yeah. out. Uh, <laughs> sleep. Sleep forever. So how about Sin the movie? Are we really going to talk about Sin the movie well, in the last yes. 15 minutes of this podcast? Yes, we must. <laughs> we must do it justice. Are you sure we didn't watch this before? I think we must have. But, Did um, we talk about it? I, I went through the whole blog. And I was like, I don't think. Okay, I don't think there's a. a post well, now for I'm it. mad that I have seen and, this before, almost certainly, because there Twitter. is no reason to watch this crappy anime. It's pretty bad. It's not the even... anime. Like it was so bad, I was noticing production value flaws. That's when you know you've got a bad anime. Like when I care about that stuff too, I'm just piling on hate. Yeah. My negative energy enables yeah. me to see I hate your terrible so much, but... computer morphs. Yeah. God. 
So I, Sin actually holds a special place in my heart, <laughs> not this movie, and really not the game. Why it's special is because in college they were offering 50 bucks on GameFAQs to write a GameFAQ about it. Because it didn't have one, and that was, I guess, something they did. They had, like, bounties. Yeah, they would bounty stuff. So I, like, blew through the game as fast as I can, uploaded this garbage fact, and got a $50 gift certificate, and bought Eternal Darkness with it. Nice. <laughs> so Totes worth it. Yeah, totally. So I got a lot of love in my heart for Sin. Or at least I'm, like, one of the few people that played that game, because I think it came out, like, a month after Half-Life. So, sorry, guys. Got trumped by the best. They were like, we're going to make a game with, like, story stuff, and it's going to be, like, interactive, and... Wait, what's Half-Life? Or actually, now that I think about it, I think the story with that was that Sin might have also been on the Source Engine, and that Valve would not let any Source Engine game come out before Half-Life did, or what? It, oh no, I guess that wasn't Source, was it? Maybe I'm thinking. No, of Sin else. was. I think Sin was released before yeah, Half-Life Two, okay. but I'm not sure. I'm, I'm thinking of uh, Half-Life Two and the Vampire: The Masquerade game. I don't know how I got those wires crossed, but <laughs> <laughs> Sin was just bad. I mean, I don't know. Like. I remember, like, you, you could get the drugs injected in your body, and it was essentially just, like, the Berserker pack from Doom, where you would, like, run around punching things, but for some reason you would turn into a monster, because that was, like, the Sin mythos, but it was okay. And it wore off in, like, 30 seconds, and then you were fine. So it was, like, really just, it was, like, at that border where games were, like, we're going to be about story, but actually, like, we're just going to have gameplay mechanics that are just, like, fun and because we want to do them, but they make no story sense. But, uh, I... The, the show really doesn't even have anything to do with the game because you're, like, sidekick JC gets killed in the first minute. I mean, he's actually killed, like, before the show even starts and then his death is relayed in flashback. Well, the, his death is a flashback. Yeah. But they don't really make that clear. Yeah, well... I mean, and they don't even give you, like, a couple years later. They're just like... Well, I presume it's, like, the next day that they're having this funeral. Yeah, no, that's what I thought. The timeline in the beginning of this movie is super screwed up. Well, actually, the first thing I thought about when I turned on this movie was, if you start the movie with a quote from one of the characters of your movie, that's an uphill battle. If you're like... I feel like the mythos we have created is so strong that we're gonna, just going to start the movie with, with a text quote by one of the characters in it. I don't know. I just feel like that's a really brazen move. And it's not maybe not necessarily in, like, Sin's abilities to pull that off. To be like, yeah, I read a book about genetics or something. We could probably make up, like, something that would seem like a real quote a geneticist would say. <laughs> so... Sin did not start on the good foot with me. And then they have this, like, flashback of, like, JC! Because he, like, goes into a sewer pipe, and that's where the mutant goo was hanging out. And he's like, you gotta shoot me. And he's like, I can't shoot you, JC. Well, look at how the girl also warns him. She's like, don't go in there. Yeah. And he's, he's like, like no, nah, I, I got, got this. <laughs> that's why you you're not the have desk it. jockey, JC. Damn it. That's why you stay back at base and radio me in my ear. That's right. And it was all just a ploy to kill him so that his Emoto could come on the scene. Well, I didn't even know that we had traveled into the future until his sister shows up and accuses 
uh, John Blade of murdering her brother. Yeah. Which in that scene is also confusing because she calls him the hypocrite John Blade when he's in the room with her. Yeah. She's talking to him. It's like somebody would burst into my office and say, Joel, I know you killed my brother. You're the hypocrite Joel White who kills their partners you were, and tries yeah. to blame it on the fact that they were turned a into second, a mutant. You're watching this movie and you're like, wait, who's John Blade? As if it could be anybody but the <laughs> giant black guy with dreads. <laughs> I don't even think he's... I mean, is he really black? Because they also have another flashback where he's on the steps yeah. of a courthouse and he's being attacked by Mancini, who is a guy who we'll describe later, by his henchman, and he has no dreads. So either he was rocking the flyest perm ever on those courthouse steps <laughs> yeah. or he's some kind of uh, white dude that's pretending to have dreads I don't know which it is well, frankly I am going with theory perm and then after his dad died he was just like I can't I can't put product in my hair anymore yeah gotta go natural that's what dad would have wanted man if you google John Blade anime Sin does not even show up I'm surprised Almost all this... the results are for Queen's Blade <laughs> Except for some anime version of the comic slash movie Blade, which looks pretty rough. Oh, you mean the the anime Blade? Yeah, did that actually come out? Yeah, it was on Adult Swim for a while. Uh, I mean, it's totally it's just nothing. Yeah. It's got high production value and it's kind of interesting, but it's basically once off episodes where there's a different kind of vampire every yeah. time. It's like I'm the turtle vampire. I watched one where it was like the underwater lion or tiger vampire. Wait, is this, was, uh, this, this is, is just Soul Reaver? Man, kind of, kind of like Soul the Reaver. The fat, like, dimensional shifting vampire. Except that Soul Reaver was enjoyable, and I watched a half an hour of that uh, Blade show and was really bored by it. What's its opinion, re motherfuckers trying to ice skate uphill? <laughs> Doesn't even uh, state <laughs> one. Doesn't I mean, even I feel like for precedent, we know what it is. But yeah, yeah, no. We would. They're they're like, well, we can probably just leave that unspoken. They'll figure it out. They should know. Everybody should know. Yeah. So the John Blades uh, arch rival is Alexis Sinclair, who we remember from Sin episodes, episode one colon Emergence colon Scalable difficulty just means you're always on hard mode all the time for some reason, which we talked about like right in the very beginning of this podcast I remember it so fondly mostly I remember the game starts with like her in a bath like looking at her breasts which is apparently just all she does because it's what she does in this too oh yeah like she comes out of her like like neon underwater Dr. Alexis Sinclair and her underwater sensory deprivation uh, conference room yeah (laughs) it's her like Aeon Flux bikini She's like, hey, what's up, Mancini? How's it going? Want to drink some wine? He's like, yeah, I'm into it. And she's like, yeah, you are. You're into being a monster. That was monster mutant wine. And he's like, ah, fuck. Well, <laughs> this I, is Mancini. It wasn't even monster mutant wine. She drugged him and then did surgery. Yeah, oh, right. She just drugged him. And then she was like, now you're going to be a mutant. And we're like still going to be bros even afterwards. You're like apparently not going to mind You said you much. wanted to be stronger, right? I don't use anesthesia. Yeah. 
It's just gonna I don't know why I would be on your team after that, but whatever. Yeah, well, maybe she implanted like a mind control device too, or maybe just all mutants are naturally drawn to her. You like then they go with Tim, John Blade, and JC No Emoto to uh, like the crime scene where Mancini unleashes his mutant havoc. And Tim sacrifices himself. He's like, you gotta shoot me. And she's like, I can't shoot you. And then as like the doctor comes out and Tim, who's like basically not even a character in the show, he just existed to get eaten by a mutant to be like, man, this mutant stuff's pretty rough. And to have like JC's face Well, no, like, to create the perfect uh, moment of clarity for yeah. Jamie to I- realize that, oh, Blade did what he had to do. When he shot my brother in the face. Wait, is her name Jamie? Do they I don't just, know. Do they just She's called call- JC once, and then I hear her called Jamie later. Well, do they? they Wasn't her, her brother named JC? Well, yeah, JC. I, I they called her Lady so much. I just thought her name was Lady. I think when Tim is getting killed by the uh, by Mancini, he cries out like JC, help me, or help me, JC. <laughs> Maybe he's just delirious. He's like. You look like your brother, close enough. I really hope that it was just they didn't even <laughs> edit it. They were like, whatever, it's fine. Just We're working on this in chronological order. Just go to the next scene. Just keep drawing. We'll Nobody really post. cares. There is no post. Nobody cares. The mutant got just, into his cells. We need to finish this. This is over. I mean, I was having watched the anime, it is kind of a cool world that Sin is trying to create. It is really a shame that this is how the execution went down. Yeah. Because like- it's kind of a fun, like, oh, we've got these ideas of a hyper-religious uh, society, or it's at least a society that seems to be obsessed with the idea of sin, not really any other part of any religion. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. They've got, like, also mutants. And it's the future. Children getting infected or being used for some nefarious purpose. I'm not really sure. Was she like the super monster? The like green haired girl that they eventually capture and like make Who? Uh, the little girl? Yeah. No, she's like some part of... So the the way that it works is Alexis Serral took up the banner of her... Yeah, her crazy You thought he was dead. uh, Dr. Serral's father who was a geneticist who won the Nobel Prize, but then was driven mad uh, by the supposed slights of the scientific community when they told him, hey, maybe you shouldn't make super mutants. And he was like, whatever, you don't even yeah. understand Listen, me. You can't tell me what to do. Sweet. You're not my dad. Yeah. So his wife gets shot. We don't know why. He then I, commits suicide. Shot? It looks like she just explodes in a puddle of blood. That flashback no, flash was really vague. <laughs> yeah, I feel like there are gunshots there. It shows there. some, like, glowering men's face and then just, like, <laughs> like a three gallons anyway, of blood spills out of her. The mom dies. <laughs> the mom dies, and then um, the dad kills himself. Alexis, the daughter, discovers all of this well, and sets the house on fire. She's, like, already working in the research lab. He's, like, grooming yeah. her to be his, like, teenage protege. She's having so much fun with her crazy dad, working on the weekends, after school, like, doing pipettes. Oh, uh, yeah. And then she's like, I must carry on your work. I must get the government contract 
for bioweapons that turn our enemies into mutant monsters. <laughs> yeah, even though, I mean, they don't really ever explain. I mean, I guess she talks about space travel a little bit, too. I don't know. I guess that's just a pretense for why they were doing it. Because they wanted mutants for space? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But it was like the next stage in human evolution, whatever. She's totally evil. And they need the little girl because she is somehow, like, she somehow is part of the the formula for creating yeah. the perfect super mutant. She's got the good DNA. Yeah. And they're like, if only we can clone her or something. But too late, the mafia just gave John Blade cancer bullets. The only thing a mutant is weak to. And he's going to save the day with JC's sister, who, after her moment of clarity... A.K.A. crying in the shower, naked. She's like, I love how everybody else is like, we're getting ready, and there's all these scenes of people arming themselves, you know, taking out their assault rifles, and then it goes to her, and she's taking a shower. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that would be, like, maybe this is, if, if you saw the next episode, these were all the events leading up to her court-martial, and this is just the interview. And so, while everybody else was preparing for the assault, what Loading were you doing? guns. I chose that time to take up. a shower. <laughs> and you didn't consider this an extreme dereliction of duty. Also completely unnecessary. Yeah. Well, you know, what else was I to do? I'm not even a real police officer, maybe. Not really sure what her position is in <laughs> She's hardcore. in the army? They're secret police, which worked better as a Contra name. <laughs> the hardcore, yeah. It's like, uh, man, how did that get through, like, Congress or whatever? It's like, all right, on the agenda today, should we name our police the Hardcore? Psa, with a P. But see, it sounds like Hardcore, in case you guys were wondering. That's why I think it's a pretty sweet name. Also, my name is John Smith. I am 12 years old. I'm the youngest senator ever elected. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so they get into the building and they have to fight the ultimate bad guy, a hose. Which yeah. Like, John, what is attacking us? Oh, it's like a. Well, it's like not even John what's attacking us. He stops her and he's like, wait. Yeah. My cybernetic ears. Cy First of all, parts of him are cybernetic. It doesn't become important until the very end. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much like. Yeah, I think that when they like flash in on his ear and show you the x-ray vision you're like oh i guess he's a cyborg and i didn't really understand that because i thought that somehow the uh the mutant attack that killed jc armac was also the attack in which he was forced to become a um he was forced to become a cyborg no i'm but pretty no, sure that yeah. happened earlier because yeah. he just happened to be hanging out with his dad yeah he's like hey dad like let's meet on the steps of the courthouse building and like Mancini's goons were like daka 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 and shot him and then like the zip drive or like mini disc conveniently like falls out of his pocket and into the limo where Alexis is waiting and then they like drive off and he's like and then in the hospital they're like we can only save one of you and the dad's like save my son and they're like he was the one we were gonna save so don't worry <laughs> about said it we can only boss. save one of you <laughs> we, we, we were, were just gonna choose that. like so they give him all the sweet cybernetics, which will become immediately relevant in short order. Not even the ear. That's not the important part. Because they get past the hose, which 
it seems like the hose's power was actually to form mutants from thin air. Because <laughs> like he, he's like, wait. Well, they can transfer between the states of matter pretty easily, it seems. Which is a good power, and it seems like if you're making bioweapons like sarin gas, or I guess that's a chemical weapon, but say that's probably a better use of your time than like turning the enemy into brainless, bloodthirsty mutants that just murder everything they want. Well, it seems like maybe they... I mean, they seem like they're following orders. There was that one mutant that was assaulting the tank line. Uh, They shot all the rockets, or they shot the thing a bunch of times with tanks, and it had no effect, and then they were immediately obliterated by him, uh, you know, just running at them, and then they exploded. But he had a rocket launcher, so they're not really brainless per se. Yeah. But I'm just, I mean, like, I mean, maybe they, once they get turned into mutants, they're all on Alexis's side automatically, as with Mancini. But it just seems like turning your enemies into mutants, it's probably just easier to hit them with a rocket. But <laughs> yes. What do I know? Well, they're not, re- they're not turning the enemies into u- mutants. They are using their, um, they're using them as weapons. Well, I thought, like, I thought that's how it worked. I thought it was just like... It's not like a you know Resident Evil zombie scenario, yeah. where you're you're infecting the population. That's what I drew from that like one scene they had, of the soldiers turning into mutants on the battlefield. No, those were those were mutants the whole time, Dave. Oh, okay, so they were they were just sent like, there as mutants to do mutants work. I guess. I also still think it would be easier to shoot the enemy with a rocket than turning your guys into <laughs> mutants. Yeah, I feel like that's just a recipe for, uh, I don't know. It's just like, once there's enough mutants, what's to stop the mutants from being Haven't like, we all seen Blade mutants? Runner? Yeah. <laughs> what, what's going to happen when these guys get home? Yeah. Someone's going to spit on them in a, you know, a receiving line from, <laughs> someone from San Francisco is going to spit on them and they murder an entire city. Yeah. <laughs> that's the problem is that we still end up hitting the enemy with rockets, but their rockets integrated into a mutant's hand. And then it's like, you can't disarm that when he comes home. Ain't no disarmable yeah, exactly. discharge for that. Like, what's a you mutant? Always a mutant. Which is kind of sad, really. But Alexis is unimpressed by the fast-acting cancer bullets. And she's like, whatever, I got this. Help me, papa. That's right, my dad's head was still alive in this giant cylinder. And he's dangerous for some reason. I guess he's dangerous. He's a giant crab thing. Which I was actually kind of disappointed in. Because uh, he um, he actually looked like he was in a cool combat suit before they turned him into a generic crab monster. Yeah. Oh, actually, shit. Did I fuck this up? Is it Mancini he talks to when he's like, you know why my name is Blade? Yes. Okay, so I skipped that. Because that's the most important part of the show. And where the show actually starts getting good, quote, unquote. Because he's like, hey, Mancini, you know what my name is? And he's like, what are you talking about? He's like, my name is Blade, because I got a blade. I just stabbed you with it, and that's it. Like that's that's the punchline, and that's how he defeats Mancini is that he's got a blade in his body, and he stabs him with it. Well, it's not even just a blade in his body. He doesn't just stab him either. He punches his uh, the capsule of you know mutant anti mutantness. Yeah. 
into his eye and then stabs it into further into his body because the problem was that Mancini was somehow armored against his yeah. mutant cancer bullets. They said they made the anti-cancer mutant. Mm-hmm. And then the dad shows up and he's like, ah, I'm a uh, dangerous robot. I'm going to stop you all. And Alexis is like, get him, daddy. And Blade's like, not if I punch you in the face with my exploding fist, which also blows up my entire arm, which seems like a manufacturing flaw or maybe a design flaw. Yeah, I didn't really get why his arm got blew off at that point, because he does crush the bullet. But you were shooting the bullet out of a gun and the gun didn't disintegrate. I just assumed he had an explosive hand. He was like, put some you C4 just assumed in that hand. hand. That was his rocket punch? Yeah. He's like, I can always get a new hand. Just blow this one up. The enemy will never see it coming. And they didn't. They never did. And then she, like, in the destruction of her father, she, uh, Alexis, is thrown out of the building. Yeah. To her doom. And she's like... Uh, probably not to her doom. Well, I imagine that they planned on making a sequel. Yeah, that'll never happen. She was pulling a, uh, a Dio. Yeah. She's like, I'm just going to wait at the bottom of the ocean for several hundred years until your descendants are born, John Blade, and then I'll return to torment them again. It's like, little did you know, my junk was shot off of that fateful day on the courthouse steps. I will have no line. It's like, well, this isn't going to be a very good arc of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure then. Because the sword just ends here. And also, what is this story even about? We defeated the mutants, I guess. I mean, I, I feel like there was like, this thing probably, it was like in the late 90s. There was probably like a whole line of like comic books for it. It's in video game. Maybe it was originally a comic book or was it originally a video game? Just feel like that. Uh, I don't more. know. I think that I think they tried to franchise it in a lot of different directions, but the first I remember hearing about it was the video game. Mm. And then it it's it spawned sin episodes, more accurately described as sin episode. <laughs> Only one ever came out, which is like the saddest thing ever. Well, yeah, because that's what back when they were trying to experiment with the episodic content. Yeah. So maybe they did just create a whole bunch of different stuff. Yeah, so they were like, here we go. There's going to be another one coming soon, maybe. Oh, wait, that's not actually going to happen. Nobody bought Sin in the first place. Why did anybody think this was a good idea? None of those episodic games really took off. There was one for the Dreamcast that never went in. El Dorado Saga, I think it was called, Mm -hmm. or something like that. Well, that was many years before. Well, yeah, but it was still that model. And I think that... Nobody was really interested in it. They, I don't know. I don't know. I guess maybe they were. There are games that are sort of that way, like Penny Arcade's game, kind of. I think the only thing that really made a good go of it was all those adventure games, like Sam and Max, and then later The Walking Dead, all basically by the same company. Yeah, I guess that's true. I didn't think about those. Those are only so, the only, really the only ones that have actually gone anywhere. Which I think is a testament to their quality as opposed to the strength of the franchise, which I think is what a lot of people were trying to do with the whole episodic content thing. Mm. I mean, The Walking Dead obviously had an established fan base because of the show beforehand and an established fan base for the show because of the comic book beforehand. Yeah. Um, I think Sin, they tried to do everything at once. Yeah. (laughs) Which didn't really work out so well. Yeah, well, what can you do? Uh, Obviously, the anime route was the incorrect one 
too. Yeah. But most likely, you know, well, they tried. I guess they tried. Can you call this trying? It's pretty terrible. The story happens too quickly. The uh, animation is terrible. I don't know. I guess that's still trying, but it's it's pretty bad. I can't help but feel that like this must have been made by American people or like fomented by American people. They were like, hey, we got this thing over here in America. It's going to be big. It's called Sin. Like, I doubt there was any like like Japanese production studio out there going like, you guys hear about this Sin game? It's hot shit. And we're going to be the ones to grab it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm sure that it, it began over here. But yeah. I don't know. We'd have to actually look at the history of it to be sure. Yeah, let's not do that. No, I, I don't want to know the anything more about this. sin to the vault. Never <laughs> speak of it again. I feel like then we would be committing a sin against God's law if we learned more about sin. got its due more than its due some might say got like a whole 25 minutes at the end only 55 minutes long and i felt i felt like my experience would have been improved if crunchyroll had a dub watching this in japanese just feels silly or perhaps it would feel more silly in english which would make it feel less absurd to be watching it at all Plus, I feel like an English voice actor could have really brought something to my name is Blade, I got a blade. Because in Japanese, like, I don't even know what he's saying, really. But anyway, clap. Clap. One, two, three. Hooray. I hope this onboard mic has not caused too much trouble. I think there's going to be some clipping in this recording just by looking at the waveform because I think... Skype was doing that thing where it's like, hey, let me just change the microphone to whatever I feel is the proper setting. Because <laughs> like as Skype is wont to do. At certain points, it's just like the waveform is like almost silent, and at other points, it's pretty big. So, I don't know. We'll see. Hopefully, it's not unbearable, but it might not Word. be great. All right. All right. Later, dude. See ya.